you would turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Let's notice verses 31 through 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day, before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. We spoke this morning about choices that Israel had made, and through discussing those choices that Israel made, we talked about choices we can make and how we ought to go about making our choices and how they ought to be affected. talked about Israel leaving God, kicking Him completely out of their lives, and uh, Jeremiah having to go to Him, go to that nation, and plead with them to come back to God because they chose to leave God. Tonight, I want us to talk for just a few moments about what is Satan's purpose. What is Satan's purpose? That's the title of the sermon. And I want that to come in on uh, the hills, as it were, of what we talked about this morning. We need to come to grips that Satan is a person, that he is an actual being. He doesn't have a physical body. He doesn't live in this world in the same ways that we do. He doesn't need to uh, eat and sleep and drink water and rest and things of that nature, but he still is a person just as God is a person, just as the Word who became the Savior, Jesus Christ, is a person, And just as the Holy Spirit is a person, so is Satan a person. We need to understand if we're going to come to grips with what is the purpose of Satan, why why is he here, we need to uh, make sure that we begin with this understanding, Satan is somebody. Satan is somebody. We need to understand, uh, and we're not going to spend very much time on this, this is something for another day, we need to understand that Satan was not created in the form that he is today. God did not create Satan to be wicked and evil purposely so that humanity can be tempted. God created the angelic host to aid in His carrying out the eternal purpose, Ephesians uh, 3 verse 11, of God. And the eternal purpose of God was that Christ would manifest into the world or be manifest into the world as a person and that He would go about seeking and saving that which was lost and bringing people to God, reconciling Israel back to God through the new law, having fulfilled the old law. So Satan is somebody, and he's a very unique individual. But he's not the only individual who is very unique in this world, is he? Have you ever known someone that it seems as if they could just do anything? If you had a problem, you call that individual, and they'll come and take care of it. They can do just about anything. They can work on your plumbing. They can do a little electrical work. They can uh, fix your car. They can uh, mow your yard. They can uh, just about build anything and do anything. Well, then you have people in the world who are very uh, focused kind of in one area of life. They may not be uh, great carpenters. They may not be able to work on your car. They, but they are very good at one thing in life. I've known several people like that. I've known people who were not that great at other things in life, but boy, they could work on a computer 
And they knew almost every aspect of a computer and how to go about working on it. That person happens not to be me. But they could do that. So I want us to consider Satan for a few moments and consider him as the very unique person that he is. Not in a good sense. We're not praising Satan in any way. Excuse me, we're condemning him. But Satan is very unique. And to do what he does, as good as he does, he has a very unique ambition. That's our first point. He has a very unique ambition. And that ambition comes across as a burning desire. He has a desire. What's that desire? Well, the Lord told Peter what that desire was, to have him. He wanted to have Peter. He wanted to cause Peter problems. And so then we have to look at the question and say, well, what did he want to do with Peter? You know, Peter had been speaking out against uh, the sins of Satan. So what's his purpose? What's he want to do with Peter? He wanted Peter in the same way he wants each of us. We need to understand that. We need to be able to look in the mirror and say, Satan wants you. His purpose is that we lose our souls. Why? Why would Satan want someone to do that? He can't conquer God. He can't do all these many things that he tried to do. Every single thing he's attempted has failed. So why would he want to bother us? So he can hurt God. He hates God. He didn't like the, the estate wherein God had placed him in some way. And so he was punished because he committed a sin in heaven and God cast him out to never return. Those who sinned with him were also cast out. So Satan had a desire. He wanted Peter. He wants each of us. Because it wasn't just Peter. He wasn't just after Peter. He wanted John and and he wanted Thomas and he wanted Matthew and he wanted Bartholomew, and he wanted James the Less, and he wanted every other Christian who had obeyed the gospel, who lived in the world that those men had converted. He wanted the Lord Himself, Matthew chapter 4, didn't He? He spent 40 solid days tempting our Savior to sin, and He fell miserably. And so, Paul warns us. He says, Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither, neither give place to the devil... Ephesians 2, 46 through 47. Now, being angry is not the only way we give place to the devil. Peter had given place to the devil, hadn't he? He had made his boast. He had made his brag. I'll go to the death with you. I believe he meant every word of it at that time and would have done it if someone had kicked in the door. But when it came time later on, he failed in living up to his boast, didn't he? So he gave place to the devil. And because of that, He sinned, and that's what he's talking about. Satan wants to sift the faithful to see who can fall through the cracks into hell. That's his whole purpose. And that's what Jesus was talking about. He wants to sift you like wheat. He wants the shaft to blow away, and he wants that little bit that he can get to fall right through the cracks and straight into hell. He has a burning desire, and it is to detain as us, so that he can have as much company in hell as possible. He wants us to be lost. He is a very unique person who has a very unique ambition that comes across as a desire for us to be lost and a willingness to detain us in any way that he can to cause that to happen. We should never, and and it's difficult. It's difficult and it's something we need to work on. 
we, we look at God and understand God is somebody. That's why we assemble together and worship. That's why we live the lives the way that we live, because we want to please Him. And then we come across Satan, and it's almost as if a lot of people in the world just dismiss him entirely. Well, I believe in God, and I'm going to live for God, and they ignore Satan. They take their eyes off of him. So we should never take our eyes off of Satan. We keep our eyes fixed on God, but by keeping our eyes fixed on God, we're going to be very aware of what Satan is doing in this world. And we're not going to allow him to sneak up on us, and we're going to understand what he wants to do to us. He wants to trap us. He is motivated and induced by a, such a hatred for God, it's something that, that it would be even difficult for us to understand. But that's what he has. And he will never stop until he is cast into eternal punishment. Revelation 20, verse 10. So how do we go about defeating him and his ambition? We have to remember, he can't force any of us to do anything. Satan is powerful. Let's not dismiss that. Let's not look through him. And have you ever noticed your favorite college team, they get ready to go uh, play a team on opening day, and it's a, a little old team that's uh, probably couldn't beat a community college, and so they look through them or over them to, the, to uh, uh, the third team or the fourth team they play that year, you know, happens to be maybe Florida or someone, and then they lose two games right in a row at the beginning of the season. What's the problem with that? They're not paying attention. They're looking straight through and overlooking and not recognizing exactly who they're going up against. And we cannot allow Satan to do that to us. We have to understand, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he will always provide a way of escape. There's always a way to not sin if we'll take it. If we put on the whole armor of God, Ephesians 6, 11, we can withstand the advances excuse me, of Satan, God's great enemy. And because of the weakness of the flesh, we need to be vigilant in watching and praying. We need to take our cares to God and allow Him to help us. Matthew 26, 41. Satan has an ambition, a very unique ambition. And he has very unique actions to go about helping him accomplish what he wants to do. That's our second point. What are some of the things that Satan does? Satan has a three-point strategic plan to bring about his victory, and it comes in the form of trials. comes in the form of trials. And here is something that we ought to use for our advantage. We know what they are. We know what they are. We know what he's doing. We can see it, but we overlook it. He has a three-point technique. He wants to... Get to us through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We see that First John 2.16. And those are the only ways in which Satan can get to any of us through those three avenues. And those are the exact three ways when we read about the final three temptations of that 40-day period in the wilderness, Matthew chapter 4. That's what Satan used, those three things. And because he is such an expert in it, he will cause the vast majority of the world to be lost. We talked about Matthew 7, 13 and 14 this morning, how a lot, uh, the majority will be lost and only a few will be saved. But there's no reason for that. It doesn't have to be that way. It will be that way because people underestimate Satan and they do not have 
or desire to have a relationship with God. A person's life, I think, can, can be basically divided into three realms of activity. You have the social realm. And there are a lot of people are vulnerable in this area of life. And, and a lot of young people are vulnerable. But it's not just our young folks. Uh, people want to be accepted socially. And if someone has a weakness toward that, they may do things in this life to be accepted socially. Many bow because they do not want to be different. We see that exact thing happen to Peter when uh, Paul said in Galatians that he withstood him to the face. He had some peer pressure coming on. James and some of the other brethren from Jerusalem had come down and, and Peter all of a sudden decided he didn't want to eat with the Gentiles. So he left them and Paul rebuked him for that. Then you have an area that we might say is the, the business area. And if you're a, a, a young adult, it might be your area going to school. And so that's a little separate from uh, the social realm. This is what we do to make our living or what we do to prepare us to make our living. And a lot of people give in to Satan's uh, temptations in this area. They become overly ambitious, willing to set aside almost anything in their life to become successful. John warned this, Revelation 21, beginning with verse 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. People who want to be at the top of their chosen industry, a lot of those people, not all, but a lot of those people will lie, cheat, and steal their way all the way to the top. And Satan understands that and he uses that as well. He uses that as well. It's not going to work on everybody, but it'll work on a lot of people. So that's why he has a multi-pronged attack. Finally, we have this religious realm in which we live. And, and there are those in the world that will rarely, if ever, yield to the temptations of the social realm or the business realm. But then you have them in the religious realm. And they will, uh, will yield to temptation in that realm. They will allow themselves to uh, misunderstand and misapply the Scripture. They'll allow themselves to follow after other people without having done the correct study on their own. And they will yield to those temptations. Uh, those in Galatia were sincere in their beliefs, but they had gotten off track. That's what Paul told them in Galatians chapter 1. He said, I marvel, I'm astonished that they had gotten off track and had embraced this other gospel which was not. Uh, the gospel then of course John warned us he said beloved believe not every spirit but try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world First John 4 1 and then also you have the trials and then of course obviously the temptations and that's the way that Satan tries to detain us through trials and temptations right uh, James made a statement, James 1, beginning with verse 14. He said, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Temptation is the enticement to sin. That's what that is. Uh, Satan will use a trial to catch us off guard, to cause us to stumble, and then he'll bring up the temptation to reel us in. When we think of this word lust, we often think with a sexual connotation to it. That's not 
That's not accurate. That is one part of it. But a lust is any kind of an illegal desire. I may lust for money. I may lust for power. I may lust for popularity. I may lust for any manner of things. And Satan understands that. And so when we allow that lust to manifest into action, then we sin. We must never fall victim that we are so tempted that we can never uh, avoid the sin. James again said, James 1 beginning verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now we can use those trials to help strengthen us, if we will. And then we can help stop Satan. How do we go about stopping Satan in his ambition and in his action? Well, we need to seek and achieve our own goal. He is a very unique individual. He has a very unique ambition. Christians ought to be and are supposed to be very unique individuals. That's what Peter said. You're a peculiar people, right? And our very unique ambition ought to be to achieve heaven. And first of all, we have to focus on the goal at hand, right? We have to focus. Let's not overlook Satan. Let's not be like our favorite uh, uh, college team and overlook the opponent looking for something that we view as much worse or a more difficult task to overcome. We need to face each one as they come, right? And we need to avoid each one. Jesus instructed His disciples to pray so they would not be led into temptation, Matthew six thirteen. If we have God as our focus, it's much easier to be faithful. We have to have God as our focus every day. We have to have God as our focus throughout the day. We have to determine, I'm going to do that which is right because that's the right thing to do. doesn't matter uh, what happens in the process. doesn't matter if I don't become wealthy. doesn't matter if I'm not the most popular. doesn't matter if that leads to me being unhappy in some other realm of life because I'm uh, receiving some kind of persecution. I still have to do that which is right. We often sing the song, Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Each victory will help you, some other to win. Fight manfully onward, dark passions subdue. Look ever to Jesus, He will carry you through. Ask the Savior to help you, comfort, strengthen, and keep you. He is willing to aid you, He will carry you through. And the whole point there, of course, is to ask God for His help. To ask God for His help. Rain your blessings down on us. Plead with Him to give us the strength and the wisdom that we need. And then go about attaining and achieving the answer to that prayer. How do we receive, receive wisdom from God? We study the Bible. We see what He has to say on any given subject or topic. And we can find it all in here, right? We can discover it. If we focus upon God, then we can be faithful. Let's go back to James again, James 1, 17. Very important when we look at the, the statement that James said here, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He's saying that God is so good to us, that He's done so many things to us to bless us and He is not wanting, James is not wanting us to overlook those things. The least thing in our own estimation that's good came from God. The greatest thing in our estimation that is good came from God. 
And so we need to understand that. God wants us to, to look at His goodness whenever the, tri, uh, the devil tries to sift us as we try to get us to fall through the cracks straight into hell because the devil knows that's where he's going to be eternally. And he doesn't want to be there alone. The more company he can have, the sadder he knows that it makes God. We need to focus on being faithful to God when Satan comes our way, knocking on our doors. Paul said this, Colossians 3 verse 1, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Have you ever done something and then immediately you just scold yourself and you understand you shouldn't have done it? And then you plead with God to forgive you? And then you come to services and you're so thankful for that forgiveness and then you get back out into the world and there something pops up. Sometimes we tend to want to yield into that, right? We need to make sure we don't do that. When we face temptation, we are to look above to the faithfulness of God. James 1 verse 12 Blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. What's the purpose of Satan? Why in the world have we been tasked with the burden of allowing Satan into this world and into our lives? Because he wants us to be lost. We need to understand that particularly. That's his very unique ambition in life for us to be lost. But Peter comforts us, 2 Peter 2 verse 9, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. We need to make sure that we understand the goodness and the severity of God. We never need to overlook Satan. We need to fight him continually, never allowing him to get hold on us, never giving place to him to give him an opportunity to work. What a blessing of assurance to know that when Satan was wanting to sift Peter, was wanting Peter, Jesus prayed for him that his faith would not fail. Jesus goes on our behalf also, he's our only mediator, but he's also our greatest intercessor. He and the Holy Spirit intercess for us. We intercess for each other. Let's pray for each other. I think our faith in the Lord will carry us through when we face those temptations and we can overcome the world, First John 5, verse 4. But we must first have obeyed the gospel. We must first have obeyed the gospel. Now here's what Satan wants us to know. You got plenty of time. You got plenty of time. How do we respond to that to the world? Look out over the congregation. Everybody here has obeyed the gospel. So we understand the process, don't we? We understand how faith works, how repentance works, how confession works, the purpose for immersion in water for the forgiveness of sins. We understand all that. How do we explain that to other people? Am I prepared to even do that? I better be. Because when I prepare myself to help others, I help myself greater than anybody. The one who prepares to help others helps himself more than anyone. And we need to understand that. We need to stay focused and faithful. We need to have a desire. And we need to prevent Satan from detaining us because that's his ambition. Sometimes 
when we walk through this life and live in this life, we make mistakes and we fall from where God wants us to be. I just spoke with a young man in India, and uh, on one occasion I was in India and uh, teaching at the school up in Assam, and, and this particular young man uh, saw another student smoking completely against the rules to do that at that school. If you want to go to that school, you can't smoke. This, we're not talking, and this isn't the time for us to talk about scruples, and if we know to do right and we don't do it, that it's a sin. But we're just simply talking about following the rules somewhere. There's no smoking if you're going to go to that school. I went to a school. If you smoke, you're not going to be here long. Or use tobacco at all in any way. And so this young man approached this other one, <coughs> and he gave some kind of an excuse. And so this young man came and told me, and I talked to the, to the missionary, and they talked to that man, brought him in. And so this young man... Uh, communicated with me and said someone in his congregation back in India, southern India, not, not northeast India, told him that he should have been more kind to this young man and talked to him and over time he could have quit smoking. Look, here's the thing. He sinned by smoking if for no other reason than because it broke the, school, the rules of that institution wherein he was going to school. He sinned by doing that, period. We do not gradually stop sinning. We stop sinning, period. And as Christians, sometimes we sin unintentionally. Something happens. We, 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 we get emotional about something, and we may say something, or we may do something. But that's an unintentional sin. That's not something we intended to do. Now, when we do something that's intended, now no longer are we sinning on occasion. We've gone back to living in sin. And so how do we, how do we fix that in this life? We repent. We confess that sin to God and to other people if they know about it. And we ask God to forgive us. That's how we defeat Satan. And that's what God expects. If you have need to answer the Lord's invitation this night, let that be known as we stand and as we sing.